0: as the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and in godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. Erin Addisons.
1: On American Family Radio, it's great to be back with you after not being with you for some time. So yeah. it's, I'm... I'm I know it sounds weird to say we miss you, but we do. We miss you because we, we feel like we're talking to family on a regular basis. And so when we are away, um, we can feel that we, we need it. We need it. We had a little small thing going on that uh, required little, some attention, deal. just yeah. a little something that required just a little bit of attention. The yeah. Marriage Family Life Conference. We are now um, on the other side of that. Yes, we and are. that's amazing. It, it was an incredible time. Um, I want to start just in this segment. Uh, First, let me uh, let me say let me say that um, I'm Miki and I'm Will and Adam (laughs) B and Jay Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show today. We have a guest scheduled to join us so that we can talk about um, a cultural moment that we are having. And I think it'll work really nicely with some of the other things that I wanted to mention this first segment. Unfortunately, I will have to give a disclaimer for our second and third segment, uh, just because the content of what we're going to talk about, if you haven't had this conversation with one of the very young listeners among us, then that is a conversation that we respect you enough to say you get to have that with your kid Mm. and not us via radio.
0: That's right. So
1: we will give that disclaimer again when we come back from the break, but I would just tell you in the second segment or third segment, we're going to talk about some of those cultural issues that, um, deal with specific content that may not be suitable for some listeners. So if you are listening with your little ones, maybe this, you just kind of table it and then go back and get the podcast or something like that so that you can decide if it's okay. You may decide, Hey, you know what? That was okay. But just because we don't know yet.
2: Mm-hmm. So let's
1: just be careful. Right. Um, but Laura Perry Smoltz is going to join us in the second and third segment. We are going to talk about the regret that is being expressed in our culture today. When, um, and and I, I want to be as careful as I possibly can. But when some of our basic understanding is removed, then we end up in the place where we are now. But I think that the Lord's mercy is being displayed in um, the traction that the regret is getting. Hmm. And so I want to talk about that. But before we do that, well, mm-hmm. so our show's topic today is the regret is real, but so is the hope.
3: Hmm. The
1: regret is real, but so is the hope. And I want to tie that into what we experienced at the Marriage Family Life Conference. Our theme was Here I Stand. And I want to tie that into what I observed at the conference. And I I was so filled with hope and so filled with encouragement at what I observed that I thought, man, I, I want to make sure that I share this publicly and encourage our listeners when we get back to air because so often we are looking at what is happening in our culture and we're filtering that through a biblical lens. There's so much, um, you know, admonishing of the body of Christ. Like, guys, mm-hmm. you know, come on, let us hold on to the truth. And I think sometimes it can appear, it can appear unintentionally that, okay, well, no one's doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, to the contrary, there are very many Christians who are holding the line. And in fact, we're seeking one another out. Mm-hmm. right? And so the Marriage Family Life Conference actually becomes one of those meeting spaces where we're like, hey, we all see it. Everybody <laughs> sees it, right? We we all recognize it. But I want to tell you, I was really encouraged because um, I observed several things. I observed parents and grandparents. I observed mm. married and singles alike all having this one mind, right? It is the mind that is ours because of Jesus Christ. And I was so encouraged by it. In addition to that, I observed our children. Yeah. And for some of you your grandchildren. And I I I will just tell you because of being steeped in the information and so many of the stats, and when you've got percentages like 40% of Generation Z saying that they identify as LGBTQ, that can be very disheartening. Mm. You know, you, you, that mm. is an enormous number when you think about what we're talking about. Mm. But I've got to tell you that what I observed is I observed young people who really love Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I observed young people who obviously are being discipled by yeah. their parents and grandparents like yeah. it was just amazing to me so i had the opportunity mm-hmm. to teach a class in the mm-hmm. youth apologetics track i taught 11 and 12 year olds um a biblical response to critical race theory and i tried to take it and i tried to cook it down to um to communicate that defense in a way that would, um, resonate with them in a way that they would understand. So that's a mix of, um, Video animated video and showing some graphics and saying, what do you think of this picture? Some of the images that I think they would see. And in particular, talking about the image that you guys would be familiar with, the people standing on the crate, equality versus equity. You guys may be familiar with that. picture. Just look it up. If you do equality versus equity images, what ultimately will come up (laughs) and probably near the top will be these people who are trying to look over a fence at a baseball game and the boxes and the crates and all that. So I use that with the 11 and 12 year olds. Let me just say this. Some of the kids in the class could have taught my class. (laughs) In fact, one did. I'm looking at you, Trey. (laughs) Okay. I can't see you, but you're listening. You listen with your mom and your dad and his sister, Noel. Okay. Uh, They could have taught my class. And then the questions that were asked and the responses that were given, I was so encouraged. And so I, I, I thought there is so much hope in us continuing to tell and teach and train. To tell and teach and train. And so I want to encourage parents, and I I want to say this not in sort of like a pep rally sense, yeah. but in a way to encourage you, keep holding the line. So Amen. if you are having these conversations with your kids, as is very evident that you are, good job. keep having these good job. <laughs> good job. Guys, I was I was so encouraged, and I don't mean a geek out here, but I just, you know, there there were many times where I was just a little bit, and this doesn't happen often, you guys know. But there were times where I was just a little bit speechless by our kids' ability to perceive deception. Hmm. Guys, that's, that's key, right? Our kids are discerning. And they understand what's wrong with things that seem just a little bit right. You know what I mean? And so I was really encouraged by that. So I want to say kudos to the parents and to the grandparents. Um, There are kids that obviously they are having these conversations with their parents and they are uh, internalizing that information. And they have so owned it that they're able to engage content. They're able to engage content. And so I was really encouraged by that. I'm also encouraged by the number of uh, believers who continue to, um, and I don't want to say find our backbone, but I mean the boldness increases, the boldness increases. And so I just want to say that I know often we open these microphones and we're looking at the lies and we're looking at the deception and we are encouraging you to continue standing on the truth of the word of God. Um, But I was encouraged this weekend because it looks like that's what we're doing. It looks yeah. like that is exactly what we're doing, and we're telling others to do that. And so it was just really, really neat to see. Um, in addition, in addition, there was a little uh, mishap. And <clears throat> excuse me, I just want to say it here publicly before our conference attendees start talking about us behind our back. Okay. <laughs> we did conference through a thunderstorm (laughs) it was pretty bad it was pretty bad I got to tell you listen this is why I have learned not to talk at certain times like when we have meetings and when we're planning and when we're prepping I have learned at specific times not to talk because I have a thought and then you know every thought doesn't need to be expressed so during our preparation when we're walking through the conference center and it's mentioned okay and so here's our storm measures. Here's what we do in the event. And I'm thinking to myself,
3: we don't yeah, need oops, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> We've
1: been here every year. We're not going to have a storm. Well, anyway, we had a storm and in the middle of one of our panel discussions, guys, <laughs> this was worth the price of admission. The power went completely out.
0: <laughs> Done. <laughs>
1: It was, it was black for a few seconds, and then I guess some <laughs> backup, backup generators, generators kicked yeah. in, and we had some little, like, tea lights or something. I don't know. It turned into a campfire, kumbaya. I don't know. The people um, moved
0: up, didn't it? The people up, came
1: forward. Came yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah. So, Quick suggestion. Hey, guys, move forward in the arena, okay? Um, big, big space that we were in, trying to continue the panel discussion, and we did. Someone gave me, is it a megaphone or is it a bullhorn? I don't know what it is. I I can't, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know which one it is. I feel like it's a megaphone, is what I got. Okay. The one, the things that they use at the protests where they're marching in there, and which I had some fun with that, (laughs) y'all. Oh, Mika had some fun with that, whatever Mm. it's called, it was fun. Um, But we had a great time, and I'm so encouraged. And so, my encouragement to all of our listeners, because we have listeners all across the country, there's no way Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination that we even put a dent in our listenership. Mm-hmm. With the attendees who were at this conference. We just don't have the capacity for that. But I will tell you this be encouraged because we truly are not alone.
3: Mm. We truly Amen. are not
1: alone. And the more the culture keeps shouting at you and telling you things like you guys have a culture problem. You have you have an ethnicity problem. You have a diversity problem and all of this. And you need ambassadors. You need, you know, directors of diversity. inclusion and and, yeah. and inclusion. all of this. And and, <laughs> and then we all show up because we love Jesus. And we're all looking around at each other and we're like, we don't have see, a problem.
0: That's stuff that's, <laughs> that naturally happens through the spirit. Like Amen. <laughs> the things that they're trying to work up you got to have this, you got to have this <laughs> group to have this yeah, man. Right. The power right. of God causes that to happen because the hearts are changed and the hearts are knitted, knitted together, you yes. know, beyond oh, all man, of that surface so stuff.
1: You know, it's, it's so much it's awesome it's, to see. I, I will tell you this when I, when I look around and I see, um a picture of what eternity looks like man i can't wait when when i when i just to look around and to see all of these people where you show up mm-hmm. and guys i'm just going to keep it 100 here like you show up and you're like you you don't know what kind of conference this is I mean, like if if you if you are able to ever walk into a space and figure out just by appearance, okay, I know this is this, I know that you don't know, you walk in. And this really, truly is sort of like a practice run for eternity. Mm. This is what it's going to look like people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation coming together. And what is it that unites us? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the fact that we love him and we are longing for his appearing. And and I got to tell you, that was the sentiment this weekend. Um, I think parents were encouraged. I I think grandparents were encouraged. Mm -hmm. Singles were encouraged, married, married with no children. Why am I saying all of that? (laughs) I'm saying that because it's the Marriage Family Life Conference. Yes. So each of us falls into one of those categories, if not multiple categories, Marriage, family, and, life. And the
0: testimonies abound. I mean the the feedback that I heard. Uh, one person is sticking out in my head is a grandmother who said that Come on. man, she learned so much that she's gonna interact in, uh with her grandchildren different. Yes. That this changed her. Yay. I was like, man, you know, and then she also said and she if she's listening, she know <laughs> she know <laughs> who I'm talking about. She also said that, you know, I wasn't I'm not, not into rap and stuff like that. And so I told my husband that I'm going to stay home, you know, on the She's Thursday. She's going to cut out on Thursday. Yeah, I'm not going to, but she she came and she was able to experience the whole uh, thing on Thursday. Hazakeem, mm-hmm. it was an apologetic moment, kind
1: of set to music.
0: Yes, and she said, "Oh, that's Man, good." It was apologetic awesome.
1: experience.
0: She's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, it totally, you know, she was like, "Man, they were solid. They were solid. It was yeah. great. It was awesome." She was going on about it. Her husband yeah. had been following <laughs> Hazakim for a minute, you know, uh, but and so he already knew. But she was like man this was great you know yeah. so just the testimonies of of, of families and, and grandparents and parents and mothers fathers it's just yeah. amazing and i'm talking about from every ethnicity it's like you know from different places different parts of the country it was country. wonderful, <laughs> it was
1: wonderful guys like Look, i don't want to be prideful or arrogant but i like us okay like <laughs> i you know we always, this is the family guys like man. this is the family you we know? Can, I like us. I like us. I Come I, on, I would hands down prefer to be around us more than any other group. Like I I like us. I like I like who we are because yes. of Christ. I like what we like and I love what we love and I love when we get together and I'm not ashamed to say that I prefer that. That is our <laughs> highest allegiance to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're around people who share that conviction that hey, this is our highest allegiance, then just things that happen are just incredible and the world cannot understand it. They don't understand how we can walk and move about one another with joy. Like, I mean, we can, you know, my son, my my our toddler you know, he was digging in some lady's purse.
0: He was getting <laughs>
1: reparations. I'm just kidding. That's
0: <laughs> it was a joke.
1: But we all laughed because we all the, get each other. That's the good
0: thing. Everybody laughed. Everybody it wasn't laughed. It was this tense moment like, oh my you know? goodness, you bring that up. You know, anyway. <laughs> Where's my mule?
1: All right, guys, we're gonna we just that's just a quick recap. We're gonna get into the meat of the content on the other side of this break. Again, disclaimer firmly in place. We'll take the break and we'll be right back.
0: I'm Screaming out, set me on fire, set me on fire, make me a blaze to my heart expire, set me on fire, set me on fire, as I give you praise and lift your name higher, Lord, set me on fire, set me on fire, make me a blaze to my heart expire, set me on fire, set me on fire, as I give you praise and lift your name higher, I Father in heaven be thy name. I'm longing for your presence. I don't need the fame. All I need is you, cause you're my everything. Things get complicated, but you always make it plain. So it's to the basic foundation and the frame. Deliver
1: Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening. Again, I want to reissue the disclaimer because we're gonna get into content talking about detransitioning and transitioning. And this is a conversation that is happening in our culture today that um, I think there would be some, and we wouldn't be surprised about who those some would be, mm-hmm. who would want to ignore what's happening. But we are not going to ignore what's happening. In fact, this has been a part of the warning, right? That when mm. you abuse children, when you invite, invite children to mm-hmm. to participate in things that they don't understand and they can't accurately perceive, like they, this is not informed consent when you have children saying, I want to have healthy body parts removed. Um, there's going to be regret. And what we are seeing now is we are seeing a groundswell mm. of regret that's happening among these precious children. And so we want to talk about that. And I I actually invited my friend, Laura Perry Smaltz, to join me today, join Will the Great and I today, and have this conversation because I felt like, man, she's the best one that I know yeah. to offer insight mm-hmm. on this. The Lord has done an incredible work in her life I don't want to steal her thunder. I did have the opportunity to attend a very special event here recently, but I'll (laughs) let her talk about that. I don't want to steal her thunder. Um, But I just wanted to have a conversation with her um, in your presence so that we could, I guess just kind of navigate what we are witnessing. Let me set up the conversation with a couple news stories, um, maybe a clip or two, and then we'll bring Laura into the conversation here. And Mm -hmm. and hopefully we'll all be encouraged and kind of just continue on telling the truth about God's design. We'll just continue telling the truth about God's design. All right, this is a story from uh, last month in the New York Post, and I actually had this story pulled for a few weeks here, um, so I'm going to refer to two. There's one that's a little more current, but this one is from last month, um, New York Post. The headline that grabbed my attention, I literally lost organs. Why mm-hmm. detransition teens regret changing genders. Okay, here's a story. <clears throat> Excuse me. When Chloe was 12 years old, she decided she was transgender. At 13, she came out to her parents. That same year, she was put on puberty blockers and prescribed testosterone. Are you guys trekking with me here so far? At 12 years old, she decided she was transgender. At 13, she came out to her parents. That same year, she was put on puberty blockers and prescribed testosterone. At 15 years old, Hmm. at 15 years old, she underwent a double mastectomy. Less than a year later, she realized she made a mistake.
3: Mm.
1: Now 17, Chloe is one of a growing cohort called D-Transitioners, those who seek to reverse a gender transition often after realizing they actually do identify with their biological sex. Tragically, many will struggle for the rest of their lives with the irreversible medical consequences of a decision they made as minors. Chloe Cole is her name, and she said, quote, I can't stay quiet. I need to do something about this and to share my own cautionary tale. I want to play clip two here. This is Chloe Cole at a California State Assembly meeting opposing SB 107, which is a gender affirming health care bill, where she's saying, There's no way that children can make an informed decision. Children cannot give informed consent. This clip is about a minute long. We'll come back. We'll get Laura's take on this, and we'll just kind of spend the rest of the time talking about what we are observing in culture right now. This is Cut 2. My name
2: is Chloe Cole, and I am a 17-year-old detransitioner from the Central Valley. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. My parents took me to a therapist who affirmed my male identity and the therapist did not care about causality or encouraged me to learn to be comfortable with my body. He brushed off my parents' concerns about the efficacy of hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. My parents were given the threat of suicide as a reason to move me forward in my transition. My endocrinologist, after two or three appointments, put me on puberty blockers and injectable testosterone. At age 15, I asked to remove my breasts. My therapist continued to affirm my transition. I attended a top surgery class that was filled with around 12 girls, that thought they were men. Most were my age or younger. None of us were going to be men. We were fleeing from the uncomfortable feeling of becoming women. I was unknowingly physically cutting off my true self from my body irreversibly and painfully. Our trans identities were not questioned. I went through with surgery. Despite having therapists and attending the top surgery class, I really didn't understand all the ramifications of any of the medical decisions I was making. I wasn't capable of understanding, and it was downplayed consistently. My parents, on the other hand, were pressured to continue my so-called gender journey with a suicide threat. I will never be able to breastfeed a child. I have blood clots in my urine. I am unable to fully empty my bladder. I do not yet know if I am capable of carrying a child to full term. In fact, even the doctors who put me on puberty blockers and testosterone do not know. SB 107 is circumventing state's laws that have needed safeguards in place so my story is not repeated children cannot consent vote no on sb107
1: oh my goodness children Man. cannot consent mm. Mm. they do not have the mental capacity they do not have the mental development to be able to consent they do not fully understand what they're doing to their bodies laura perry smaltz joins us um, this afternoon laura i just just kind of fresh out of that clip what what how do you how what are your thoughts when you hear that
3: Well, it grieves me, first of all. I mean, I'm just, it's so hard to listen to these these young kids. I mean, I know it's one thing for for what I've been through as an adult, but, you know, their bodies are never even having a chance. And these that are transitioning before puberty, um, it's going to be a whole lot harder to to reverse the transition. It's hard enough for me. You know, I started at 25. Mm. Mm.
1: Let me make sure I and, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, because I want to give our listeners a point of reference just in the event that there are listeners who may be new to Aaron the Addison's and they're not aware of the several conversations that we've had with Laura Perry Smoltz. Uh Laura is an author and speaker, and she also serves First Stone Ministries as the women's ministry intern there. And we've had her on the show several times to give her testimony about the amazing work that the Lord did in her life, mm. when for almost a decade um, she lived a transitioned life as she believed it to be. Uh, we know that actual transition is not a thing, but she lived as a man. Um, I want to say for nine years, Laura. Can you is that accurate? What was what is exactly the yes. length of time? Yeah, it was almost nine years. Almost nine years. And then the Lord um, transformed you. I want to also draw attention to your book, uh, Transgender to Transformed. Uh, That book is available at afa.net. You just click on the Resource Center tab and you can get that book. I highly recommend that you read it. I read it cover to cover. It is an amazing testimony of prayer and the power of God to change the human heart. It is a miracle. It is absolutely a miracle. And I think that we don't make much of the miracle of salvation, at least not to the extent that we should. Laura, talk to us a little bit about, um, kind of catch us up where you've been since last many of us have heard from you. I didn't want to steal your thunder, but something pretty, (laughs) pretty exciting happened recently.
3: Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. You know, I, um, I had really gotten to a point where it was like, um, I, I was so satisfied for the first time in my life, so comfortable in being who I was, and I didn't, I didn't have that you know, because for most of my life, I, I think I was so uncomfortable with who I was. I hated who I was, and I was really uncomfortable being alone, and I felt like I had no value or worth um, except in what somebody else could give me. And the Lord really took me through a season a couple of years ago of being secure in who I was, secure in my identity in the Lord. And But I began to really desire a husband, and I was like, okay, Lord, if, if you want me to be single, if I can serve you better single, then I'll stay single. But if if I can serve you, better married, then I I pray for a husband, and I literally just asked the Lord to arrange my marriage if if he wanted a (laughs) husband for me, and he's brought me the most incredible man. I'm so blown away by his love for me, and even other people that have uh, met him uh, in his name, I guess I haven't said, I don't know, I haven't articulated all my thoughts on this yet, because it's really new. We just got married May 14th, but And his name is Perry, so his first name is my maiden name, which has <laughs> been a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, just a, such a godly, Christ-like man, and just continually pointing me to the Lord, but also such a testimony of redeeming love, of being able to look beyond my past and uh, and accept who I am and where I was at. Mm-hmm. And yet, also, though, I want to point out to people, you know, sometimes— that can be taken as, oh, see, you know, transition can be totally reversed, and it's it's totally fine. You can have it all back. Well, the Lord has redeemed that, but, you know, things were stolen from Him. You know, mm-hmm. it's not quite the same. Um, like, I still deal with um, having facial hair. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes my face is very rough. I, I just, as a few days ago, I got breast implant surgery. What? So, I'm getting breast back in a sense, but they're not the same. I'm going through a whole lot of pain, mm-hmm. you know, and it's um, and just because that can sort of I can have that appearance again it's just not the same as it was originally. Oh. um, we wouldn't be able to have our own children, so there's a lot that's been stolen from him, so yes, God can redeem, but I want people to also hear that there are still real consequences, and I'm just mm. I, I'm desperate for young people to know that this is not the answer, mm. yeah, you know, mm. Laura, I remember I think it may have
1: been. Oh, goodness, I lose track of time, but maybe it was a couple years ago and I was still really active on Facebook. I'm not so much anymore, but I remember um, reading one of your posts one day where you were grieving the loss um, of, of the way you lived and you were grieving the loss of being able to have children. And and I, I read some of the comments and people immediately jumped in with, you can adopt, you can do this, you can. And I know that the intent was to be encouraging. Mm. But right. as I was reading your post, I really felt like, man, we just need to grieve with you. Like this is a real loss. And this is a real pain that you're right. experiencing. We don't need to immediately jump in with, oh, here are the solutions. You don't have to feel badly, but But in a sense, the Bible tells us to grieve with those who grieve, right, and to mourn with those who mourn. And so I I think about that there is a real loss that you experienced that I think it's important for us to remind, just as as you did, remind our listeners that the Lord redeems and he saves. But there are some things that we suffer while in sin and in rebellion against God that we can't get back.
3: Right, and that has you know, I was so grateful that day. You were one of the few that pointed that out because that's where my heart was. I just need to grieve this because if yes, I realize I can adopt, and there are children that need to be adopted. There are children that need a loving home. I get that, but people were so quick. It's like nobody wanted me to feel that pain, mm. you know. And sometimes we need to grieve that because the reality is, like even now, I was kind of okay, but it kind of came up all over again when I. Um, when I got married and I realized that there was never going to be, um, an offspring of Perry and I, that we couldn't pass on who we are as a couple physically. Um, you know, and I, I know we could adopt. We, um, we haven't made that decision, but it, it's just, that's something I can never have. Yeah. And I can never have my, my own child. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: I think about um, the headlines that we're reading today about so many detransitioners, and at the same time we're reading headlines where we've got this, um, and I don't want to overuse the word wicked, but in a sense we've got a wicked administration that is really robbing parents of the ability to make good decisions. Um, robbing children of their innocence and kind of encouraging them into decisions that they cannot come back from fully. At least we don't even know yet. We we don't know what the long-term effects will be of giving children, children, puberty blockers. And yet we see this being held up and we see this being celebrated. Laura, what is your encouragement for parents who are watching this and who maybe they would never consider um, – medically transitioning their children, but maybe there are some parents who have bought into the national lie right Mm -hmm. now. It's a national lie that if they don't affirm their kids preferred pronouns, or they don't affirm their kids preferred gender or identify them as trans, that they actually are increasing their risk of suicide.
3: Well, I want to ask the parents, I was thinking about this earlier. If, Let's imagine for a moment that you're one of these parents that was totally affirming, took them to one of these gender therapists, started them on puberty blockers, helped them get the surgery and all of this. And then your kid regrets it when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. What are they going to think of you then? Mm-hmm. You know, this is mm-hmm. why we need parents to be parents. Yeah. We don't need parents to be their best friend. Amen. Mm-hmm. They need someone in their life that's willing to fight for them, that's willing to make hard decisions, that's willing to not be liked for a while. Yes, and you have to realize these kids are being coached, and they are mm. going on social media. And I've heard this over and over, and they're they're being given scripts basically of how to manipulate your parents, how to um, get the doctors to get what you wanted. But anymore, I think so many of these doctors, have, this has become so common that a lot of them are just pushing them through. I've heard so many cases where it's like they just pushed me through, and they didn't they didn't question anything. I had one. There's a Reddit forum that I'm a part of that has like 35,000 members now that are all supposed to be, they'll cook anybody off that's um, like trolling or is not um, going through what we're going through. So it's supposed to be just detransitioners or people that are questioning. And so this one said her, uh, I don't know if it's male or female, gender-affirming therapist will unfortunately ignore your trauma and railroad you into transition. My gender-affirming therapist literally said, why deal with your trauma? Just transition and be happy. Come oh. to find out I had several childhood traumas that helped push me down the road to trans. Wow. Okay,
1: we're, we're headed to a break here. I want to pick up here when we come back because that's exactly the thing that Chloe Cole is expressing, that she was going through a period of isolation and loneliness, and she was encouraged. She was basically almost evangelized, if you will, into LGBT radical um, ideology via Tumblr. And so we've, mm. we've got to talk about this. We've got to talk about where our kids' influencers are. I mean, the consequences are dire. And the importance and maybe of the di- parents, you The know? importance of the parents. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll pick up right here when we get back, you guys. This is Erin the Addison on American Family Radio. We'll take the break and be right back.
0: These blessings they be heaven sin. God making me a better man. Yes, I ain't settling. Oh miracles keep happening they keep on. I know
1: these blessings they be heaven sin. God making me a better man, but
2: I ain't settling. No no. This is a I don't know if I'll be able to fully carry a child. Um, And I might be at increased risk for certain cancers, namely cervical cancer. And because I do not have my breasts, I I no longer have breasts. I am not able to breastfeed whatever future children I have. That realization actually was um, one of the biggest things that led to me realizing that this was not the path that I should have taken.
1: Hmm, that's the voice of chloe cole the california teen we've been talking about this hour who formerly identified as transgender mm-hmm. she was um speaking at an event where she was backing um the florida rule which would block medicaid funds uh for paying or from paying for medical intervention for gender dysphoria uh it's just it, it i don't know there's something that yeah. just really uh i don't know how to describe there's something that just twist your heart when you hear that yeah you know i don't i don't know if we realize (laughs) what we are celebrating in this country until we hear that
0: yeah and uh, to laura's point about the parents how they would feel later on if the child said man i don't i don't want this how you know i think parents like she's saying have, have to be parents you know, and the thing is, as a child, you go through all types of, you know, experiences. I want to be a dinosaur. I want to be, a, you know, right. like a child right. who really, you know, and to, to, to take that and say, well, I guess because they feel this way, this is what they want. Man, that's, that as a parent, that's neglect. That's 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 terrible. You know, and I think as as parents, we have to have the role uh, of being a parent and not just trying to do what the child at that age is saying that they want because they don't really know what they want exactly at that time, you know, because things change, you grow up and you're mature and then you're like, man, what did I do? And those things are uh, can be permanent, you know, it can be like permanent effects to That's it, right. you know. That's and right. so parents got to really take into account uh, the, the the severity of this
1: you know and i think and and laura perry smaltz joins us actually today to 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 discuss this with us as well i think it's a, it's amazing to look at what the lord by the power of his spirit is able to do mm-hmm. and yet so many of these children whose parents are quote unquote transitioning them or doing irreversible damage to them yeah these people are not professing Christians. Mm. I mean, some of them are, mm. but the vast majority of them are not. And I cannot imagine walking through this type of trauma without any hope in the Lord mm. Jesus Christ or without the restoration that the Spirit, mm. Spirit of God brings. Laura, can you speak to that just a little bit?
3: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I I mean, this is all about the redemption and the restoration of Christ. I mean, what hope is there without that? And I'm so thankful that I have mm. that. I can't imagine I was when I began to realize that all of this was fake and that it hadn't solved any of my problems. Mm -hmm. And I can attest from so many comments that I have read on these forums and in books and in other things, these people are so angry and they're, they're just like, my life is over. I have ruined my life and all these things that they say. And a lot of times they're often suicidal after they've gone through transition because it's not solving anything. Um, And so. We definitely want to. We want people to know the hope and the transformation mm-hmm. that Jesus offers. I just hope people will find this before they go down the transition mm. road because this mm. is what they all needed. Yes. And I was reminded of, there was this post that um, I put out on Facebook um, about a month ago where right before my wedding, just days before, there was this big graffiti on a, a building um, near where I got my hair done before the wedding, and it said, Death Before Detransition. And I remember thinking that at one point that I, too, would have, there was no way I was ever going to detransition, no matter how bad it got, because I was never going to admit, one, that I was wrong. Two, I had put too much into this, and I was like, there's no way I could ever go back. Mm. And uh, so I put that on there with a picture of my wedding photo, and I put, I once believed this lie, and I Mm. put this verse on it from Isaiah 61 that says this the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Hmm. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They hmm. will be called Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. So the Lord is offering healing for these. And we are, we're trying to change their bodies like the problem is the body. <laughs> there's always wow. going to be problems with the body. The body's under the curse of sin, and we are mm-hmm. all going to have problems in our body. We're going to have things that don't feel right, because this is not, ultimately, we're not yet in the state that God created us mm-hmm. to be. We will have a redeemed body one day. There's, there's going to be incongruence. There's going to be awkward things. There's going to be times we don't feel quite right, because we're not quite right. Mm-hmm. But the Lord mm-hmm. wants to bring healing to that. And that's what the enemy is trying to steal.
1: Oh, man, it's so well said. You know, I think it's so important for us to begin with the facts, right? And so we have the fact of God's created design and God's created order, that he made them male and female, and that he declared that it was good, everything that he made, that it was good. But in addition to that, it's amazing how many people are either unaware Or well, we have a media that does um, an incredible job um, keeping information under wraps, but the biological information, those facts are also on our side. The science is on our side. When you talk about the the chemical damage that we're doing to children, um, all of the information is on the side of not doing this to children. I'm looking at the report that you actually sent me ahead of this program, Laura, and I want to share. Some of that information with our listeners. Back in April, the Florida Department of Health issued guidance related to the treatment of gender dysphoria in children and adolescents. In accordance with Chapter 59G, Florida Administrative Code, the Secretary of the Agency for Healthcare Administration requested that Florida Medicaid programs review whether treatments are consistent mm. with widely accepted professional medical standards. So then they released this report that found actually, no, it's we don't have any evidence for transitioning children. We don't have any evidence that would support the medical steps that we are trying to say we should fund. And so I want to go through just a little bit of this information. Here's what you should know. According to this report, the agency's report summarizes the scientific research about the effectiveness of treatment for gender dysphoria for children. The research found the following. Listen closely. Scientific studies supporting hormone replacement therapy, Puberty blockers and sex reassignment surgery for treating gender dysphoria are weak to very weak. The evidence showing benefits from hormone replacement therapies for gender dysphoria is very weak. Scientific studies do not show that the use of puberty blockers improves mental health. There is a lack of long term follow up studies after sex reassignment surgery. There are no randomized controlled trials on the effectiveness of gender affirming treatment. And yet we've got all of these hospitals all across this country that are like just breaking their necks to implement or to to design these departments where they are focused on gender affirming care. I mean, that is what you hear. And if if you run across people who are not willing to affirm, they are the radicals. They are the people who don't care about the children when, in fact, the science points to not transitioning the children, not harming the children and letting the kids have an opportunity to be kids. Laura, your thoughts on this?
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, there there's no long-term studies. The the few studies they do have are very weak, and often, and even that, that report admitted that the evidence they do have is very, very low, um, and often the the positive studies they do have out there, because you can find a few, they're often serving these kids like one to two years after. Well, there, there's kind of a honeymoon period where you think, wow, this really worked. It's like taking any kind of painkiller. It, it makes you feel better for a while. Mm. But then when you realize that all this is fake, that it hasn't solved any of your long-term problems, it hasn't dealt with any of the trauma, um, and it hasn't actually made you a different person, mm-hmm. um, when all of that becomes, begins to hit reality, um, it's extremely depressing. And that's what – there's so much evidence out there. There's so many stories. There's a book I'd recommend by Walt Heyer, who's also in, in his image, um, called Trans Life Survivors. It's like 30 mm-hmm. stories of different people. There's stories all over the internet. Read some of these testimonies and see what people are going through.
1: I was just jotting that down. Trans life survivors. I know that our listeners will reach out to us and ask for those resources because the fact of the matter is this: this is an epidemic yeah. that our kids are being influenced. In. And I, you know, I I think we need to go back there and pick up because we left off there on uh, before we hit the break. Our kids are being influenced all over social media. They are lonely. And they find the encouragement to be LGBTQ plus pervasive all across their channels of influence. I mean, it's in their entertainment. It's it's uh, coming across their social media timelines. It's in their music. All of this is being celebrated. I know that there are many parents who would be listening to us today who would say, I feel like I'm outnumbered. Laura, what is your encouragement to those parents and maybe even to the older children who are listening today?
3: Yeah, get educated, first of all, and um, you don't have, there's too much information probably to, you're going to be overwhelmed. There's actually a lot out there, but pray and ask the Lord for guidance. Get um, some testimonies, but also there are good studies on our side. There's good resources. Um, I'd, I'd recommend Walt Hire's books. Um, there's another one called Don't Get on the Plane by Rene Um
2: hmm.
3: He's a, um, he's never detransitioned, but he will tell you that this is all um, complete nonsense. He transitioned years ago, um, but there's this Reddit forum that I was talking about. There are many, many resources out there, uh, but most of all, we need to be secure and firm on the Word of God. It doesn't matter Amen. what the world says. Amen. It doesn't matter if these kids think it's good for them right now. Mm. We have to stand on the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. And and there's there's a reason that
1: we're the parents. There there's a reason. <laughs> That right, that we've lived a little bit longer, that we have a little more wisdom and a little more insight. And we need to use that. We're actually not serving our children well when we pretend not to know the things that we do know. And I think that's what the culture is really calling us to. And, you know, my observation is that there is a huge invitation to pretend to be dumb. And I think so many people are accepting that invitation and they're showing up like dressed in their finest. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And every and and everybody just pretends not to know when the truth is we do know Um, we are aware that uh, just last month that the president of the United States signed uh, an executive order urging the Department of Health and Human Services to ensure that minors have access to transgender uh, interventions and affirmative care. And and they link that to the threat of suicide at the same time we have a report coming out and if you'll permit me and I'll try to read through it quickly here because I think this is so important we have tools it's not just our you know opinion here we have tools to be able to engage this information that is so pervasive so at the same time that you've got an administration that's saying we can't do you know a disservice to these children we don't want these children committing suicide we have a report out that shows greater access to puberty blockers and hormones and all of these things, that is actually increasing the suicide rate among Mm. our kids. I mean, it's just amazing, right? But you're not going to see those stories. So here we go. This is a report from uh, Dr. Jay Green, who is a senior research fellow at the Center for Education Policy. And this report was out last month that um, looked at the links between puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones and youth suicide. And I'll just read you the summary here real quick. Lowering legal ba- barriers to make it easier for minors to undergo cross-sex medical interventions without parental consent does not reduce suicide rates. In fact, it likely leads to higher rates of suicide among young people in states that adopt these changes. Mm. Guys, it's not reducing the suicide rate. It's increasing the suicide rate. States should instead adopt parental bills of rights that affirm the fact that parents have primary responsibility for their children's education and health. And that require school officials and health professionals to receive permission from parents before administering health services, including medication and gender-affirming counseling to children under the age of 18. I'm going to stop there for a second because I want to be able to give Laura the last word here. It's not just the medical transition that we have to be aware of. It is also the counseling that is taking place in schools all across this country. Laura, can you speak to that just a little bit?
3: Yeah, I mean, these kids are really just not given any other option. I've read on so many of these comments on this Reddit forum that I'm on, Uh, where they say that they were not told there was any other alternative. They were saying, and they're even being told sometimes by counselors, it just depends on their counselor, but they're being told that if you don't uh, transition that you will become suicidal. Mm.
0: Hmm. Wow.
3: So
1: they think they, this is the solution
0: they think as As genuinely genuinely as they
1: can think they think that this is the solution. You know, it's just so sad to me that our kids who are really truly very malleable they're they're like they're like clay you know they they are in that shaping stage and we as parents the lord has entrusted those children to us that we would protect them and that we would ensure that they harden with truth that they harden with truth before they are victims or casualties of this culture i i believe that we are going to increasingly see stories like this coming from Chloe Cole mm. and why because we live in Babylon. We live in Babylon. And the more you see parents taking a step back from their children, the ones that God has entrusted to them to protect and to train and to lead and to guide, the more you see parents taking a step back from that responsibility, we're going to have more children who are casualties and have to live with this type of regret. May it not be so. I want to say thank you to our guest, Laura Perry Smaltz. Uh, we're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing.
0: God bless